Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to The Way of Valor. I am your host, Angie Taylor, and it's so good to have you guys listening today. We value your time and you are not going to be disappointed that you joined us today. Today, my guest is Jared Scott. He is a husband. He's a counselor. He's a speaker. He's an entrepreneur and musician. And Jared, I feel like I can go on and on with with all of the titles in your bio. Welcome to The Way of Valor. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me today. I feel like you know, I wear a lot of different hats. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I love that. And the, and honestly, you have a powerful message. We were talking just a little bit earlier. And so we're going to deep dive into it. But you're going to want to listen to this podcast, as, especially as a parent, as a, as a teenager, if you have the opportunity to listen to this podcast, we would recommend it because Jared has such an important message and he's shared it in thousands of schools already across the United States. And he's making a change in the emotional mental health space for teenagers that I think is imperative that we get this message out there. That's why we're excited to have you on our show. But I would like to kind of start with your own personal journey that really prompted you to get into the mission and on the mission you're, you're in. Yes, ma'am. So when I was a kid, I had very young parents. My parents were 15 and 16 years old when they had me. So they were just kids trying to raise a kid. It didn't really work out. So they split, they went their separate ways and that put me in the middle. And when I talk to kids, you know, it doesn't matter if their parents are together or not. Everybody knows what the middle feels like. Everybody's put in the middle of mom's emotions, dad's emotions, sometimes siblings' emotions, friends and family. And you have to learn how to deal and cope with that the correct way. But for me growing up, we didn't learn that. You know, in my school, we didn't have mental health as a part of the curriculum. So I went to school and I learned a lot of things, but I did not learn how to manage my mind or my emotions. And the adults didn't even know how to teach that because they didn't learn it either. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we just suppressed those emotions. Unknowingly, we were just working. We were doing everything we could not to think about the way that we were feeling. And eventually those suppressed emotions over time become depression. I didn't even really know that when I was a kid, but life just started to get heavy. I came to school every day and I was physically there, but mentally I was still stuck in my head at home in a fight between mom and dad that probably happened months ago, just replaying it over and over again. And eventually that led to things like you know, diagnosed with ADHD, couldn't focus, you know, fight or flight mode means you want to fight back or you want to run. But when you're a kid, you're kind of stuck and you can't go nowhere. So your brain just gets used to piecing out when things get difficult. So, you know, I'd have a test and there went my brain, you know, I'm just off Mm. in another world, thinking about the past, the future, the present, all at the same time, unable to be in the moment. And so my friends would always be asking me, Jared, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? That was a daily thing for me. And I would just say that I was fine. You know, I was tired. I didn't get good sleep. You know, that was my excuse every single day. And I put a fake smile on my face and I just mm-hmm. went on my way and I pretended my way through high school. I thought I was the only one pretending, honestly. Yeah. I thought that everybody else had it all together and I was just trying to be like them. And then one day, it was October 27, 2011. I was probably about 15 years old. I just turned 15. And I got a call in the middle of the night from my best friend who told me that his girlfriend at that time, she had just lost her life to suicide. Now, I was 15 years old, so I didn't know what to say. But I do remember thinking, not her. 
you know, she was the happy girl, the go lucky mm-hmm. girl, the cool mm-hmm. girl, the tough girl, the class clown to me. I mean, that's, she was actually the one that would always make us smile. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was like, this isn't true. And if this could happen to her, like how many other kids are coming to school, hiding behind a fake smile, pretending to be okay, going unnoticed and how long until it's too late for them too. That was really the first time that I realized that I wasn't the only one wearing that fake smile. And if she could wear it so well that nobody noticed, you know, how many other people are going through this and they need somebody to speak up. So I made a song. That's what I knew back in the day. Like music was my, it was my outlet. It was what I did. I was the shy kid sat in the back of the class, kept to himself, didn't tell anybody how he felt. But the one thing I did do was I wrote songs. And I listened to music and I related to the artist through the feelings. And that's how I didn't feel alone in my feelings. So I just did what I knew best. I told my friend, come over to the house. We're putting together a song. We're going to take that song to the schools and we're going to sing it to the kids. And we're going to let them know that they're not alone in their feelings. What happened was after my friend passed away, there was 12 other suicide attempts in my town. It became a chain reaction. It became an epidemic and nobody knew what to do. So they put together this event called Be the Difference Day in my town. And they brought speakers from all around to come speak at the event. And they let me perform my song. So me and my friend, we got up on stage and we did our song. And then afterwards, I tried to explain, you know, how I was feeling and how I was dealing with things. I didn't have a speech. I didn't have it rehearsed or anything. I just let my emotions out. And this was coming from me, the shy kid. Everybody saw me as the shy kid. Nobody knew I was feeling this way. I admitted that I was having suicidal thoughts myself. And then afterwards, there was a girl around my age, and I remember her from my school, but we never really talked to each other because we were both shy. But she came up to me and she was like, Jared, seeing you have the courage and the confidence to stand up there as a shy kid, tell your story. She said, that just gave me the courage and confidence that I need to tell you mine. And she told me things that she'd never told anybody before. And her story, it felt like my story. I was amazed at how much I could relate. I wasn't in the exact same situation, but I could relate through the feelings and the emotions and see, I I grew up in a place where we didn't talk about feelings and emotions. So this was a strange feeling to say Mm -hmm. the least. And Mm -hmm. people were standing around and other people were listening. And and I remember one little boy was like, that feels like my story. And that's when it hit me. It was like, oh, this is our story. Like we are all connected. We're all in this together. And Mm -hmm. We're all a part of each other's stories and everything we do makes an impact on the people around us. And we're only alone in our feelings. You know, I I was the kid that could sit in a room full of 500 other people and still feel alone. Mm -hmm. I had friends that came from split parent homes. I could have told them how I felt, but I didn't. So it felt like it was only happening to me. Yeah. Since I was shy and I didn't tell anybody anything, life felt like it was only happening to me until that day. I was like, oh my gosh. I don't know what you're going through, what you're going home to. I don't have your parents, your experiences. I don't have all of that. So I can't be you. I could put myself in your shoes to have empathy, but I can't put myself in your head and see your perspective of life. But if you told me how it feels to be you, I tell you how it feels to be me. We relate to each other through our feelings. Mm -hmm. So that was the moment that I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go around the country and I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be vulnerable first, and I'm going to create a chain reaction of courage, confidence, so that way people have this experience themselves. And they're like, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. And they tell their truth, how they're feeling and how they're dealing with it, not just what they're going through and what they've gone through. Right. Mm -hmm. And that worked for a while. But after a while, 
you know, people were asking me really deep questions afterwards and how, how could I could really help them. So I ended up going back to school for psychology and counseling so that way I could get better answers to get better mm-hmm. results. And it ended up turning into a whole program. Now, 13 years later, we've been over a thousand schools and it's the only job that I've ever had. So, you know, and you I go. love what a powerful story. There are so many points that I'd love to draw out of that story. You know, one is that idea that your place of pain really became your place of rain, that, that God positioning Absolutely. you to, you know, he's so redemptive in those moments of, of pain, his ability to position you in a place now where you can help so many other kids um, in this journey. The, the other thing that I heard you say that I just struck me because I do think this gets missed often. You know, I've, I'm an educator for over 30 years, and it is the idea that we have kiddos getting diagnosed with ADHD and with other disabilities, learning disabilities, um, when it could be trauma. It could be they're right. they're dealing with a, a trauma that's been an unspoken trauma. And so I'd love for you to just kind of speak to the parents right now uh, who maybe are in that place of my kid's fine. What, what, what would you t- say to them? Well, first of all, I don't think that we should put our identity in anything like a disorder, a dysfunction or a problem, you know? And so when we start to label people, we limit people. If we start to say, Oh, this kid's ADHD, this kid's OCD, this kid's this and that, and we label them as a disorder and it becomes a part of their identity. I meet kids all the time that come up to me personally, they give me their name and they tell me right away that they have ADHD. Mm-hmm. Like it is a part of their greeting, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's becoming a part of our identity, our disorders and disorder just means out of order. And mm-hmm. I believe personally as a Christian that your identity is supposed to be in the truth, Good. not a problem, not a disorder, not a dysfunction, none of those things, because actually you are the solution. You were made the solution. Mm-hmm. I can try to help you, but if you don't help you, you'll still end up helpless. So the truth is that you're the solution. You can't put your identity in a problem. And what happens when we allow our kids to do that, because it's in their language, they start to speak these things over themselves day after day after day. And I think as parents, we have to be aware of what they're saying. If my, if my son ever says, I'm not good enough, I can't do it. You know, I I stop him. I'm like, you just said that you are something you are not enough. So if you're not enough to you, you'll never be enough to yourself until you remove that label. It's going to put you in a little box. You're not good, good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not this enough. You know, and it goes on and on. And what happens is those are lies, first of all, because mm-hmm. you're a child of the light. You don't belong to the darkness. The light is the truth and the darkness is a lie. So you don't belong to a lie, first of all. That's not true. And then second of all, lies multiply. So eventually you're a different person around every group of people you're around. That's why we have kids that are a different person at home than they are at school. Mm. different person around their friends than they are their parents. They're even a different person on social media than they are in real life. Right. So I asked them, it's like, how many versions of you are there? And do you know the true you? So I remind my son all the time, who's the true you? His name is Jaden. So I was like, who, who, who is really Jaden? Well, he's loving, he's caring. He's all the things that God says he is. So Mm -hmm. you can go to Ephesians, you can go to different places in the Bible and find your identity in Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like your identity is in the truth. Let's figure out what the truth is. And the truth is a statement that's true according to the word of God. That's my definition of truth. If I can find God said it about me, then it's true. And I can say it about myself. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I'm lying to myself, eventually I get to the point where I don't I don't trust myself 
because we don't like liars. So we don't trust liars. We don't spend time with liars. We don't really let liars into our life. So eventually we're distracting ourselves from ourselves. Lies are a threat to the truth. Stranger equals danger. So if you don't know you, then you're kind of a threat to you. If you don't know you, you don't know how to control you. You don't know how to accept help from people because people could ask you if they if you could help them. But they, they don't even know you don't even know how to ask for help or what you need. You know, you meet people all the time that they clearly need help. You ask them, how can I help you? And they don't even know. Right. Because they don't right. know themselves. They don't know what they need. So mm-hmm. it's like you have to know yourself. Lies multiply. It causes cognitive dissonance. You're holding contradictory beliefs about yourself. Yep. And eventually that will turn into suicidal ideations because basically the thought of I'm the problem if that is a, a true narrative in your head, then eventually your brain's going to say, hey, get rid of the problem because it's causing us physical harm. Lies cause us physical harm. That's why lie detectors work, right? There's physical repercussions to lies. So your brain's going to say, get rid of the problem, get rid of the lies. But if you put your identity in the lie, that thought to a kid comes across as get rid of myself. Hmm. If you think you're the problem and you think you have to remove the problem, you think I got to get rid of myself. And sometimes it doesn't mean like actually you know, take your own life, but it means like isolate yourself and be alone and don't be a part of this family because you're the problem, you know? And, and so if kids are identifying as that, then they might take that thought as truth, that they are the problem, that they mm-hmm. are the disorder, they are the dysfunction. Yeah. If they weren't there, then everybody else would be happy. And that's mm-hmm. just simply not true. So what we do in our leadership programs, just to give you a little rundown, is like we, we literally do trauma-focused therapy with with the students and what we have them do is we write down all their traumatic experiences that they can remember we write down the feelings that they've been distracting themselves that came out of these experiences and then we ask them what story did you tell yourself after this happened Mm. and and most of them nine times out of ten it goes down to i'm just not enough you know at first it was my fault that my parents fight if i wasn't here my parents would be happy and eventually the biggest lie comes down to i'm just not enough I don't deserve it. People don't love me. Nobody cares. And so once we identify these lies, then the only way to detach from negative emotions, lies and labels is through forgiveness. I mean, we saw Jesus do that on the cross to people that were literally stabbing him, right? Forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Forgiveness Mm -hmm. is the way to freedom. So you have to forgive the people that hurt you, but then you have to forgive yourself for believing all of those lies for so long. And most people do forget to forgive themselves. They forgive everybody else, but that inner child within you needs healing as well. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're supposed to enter into the kingdom mm-hmm. of God as one of these children. So that little child in you, he needs help. She needs help, right? They need forgiveness. You mm-hmm. need to forgive them and they need to forgive you because there's things that you said you were never going to do and you did it. Mm-hmm. That little child in you said that you were going to follow this dream. You were never going to do this. You were never going to do that. And you let them down. You let yourself down. And you would say sorry to somebody else's child if you hurt their feelings. But what right. about the inner child within you? So once you detach from those negative emotions, now you could really move on from them. But you don't have a sense of identity because you put all of your identity in those lies and those labels. So you have to replace the lie with the truth. And that to me is in Matthew when we're cleaning out the house. If we don't fill it up, then seven more are coming. Okay. Right. So it's like it, you have to feel it with the truth. And the truth is, by definition, the opposite of all of those lies. So mm-hmm. if you said you are not enough over here, then you are enough over here. Mm-hmm. If you said you weren't worthy and you weren't loved, mm-hmm. then you are worthy and you are loved over here. And that is all true according to God's word because he yep. loves you and he made you worthy. Yep. You know, 
And so once we do that and you're detached from negative emotions, you will see children will just, their eyes will open up because their vision was clouded by all those negative emotions. They were blind with anger. That's why we as adults, we're always trying to like plan things out for kids. We're always like, hey, you're really good at this. You should do this in the future. But if they have negative emotions attached right. from those traumatic experiences of their childhood, they're not going to be able to see five weeks down the road, let right. alone five years down the road. And I think that's why they turn to things like drugs and alcohol, because it's instant gratification, right? They mm -hmm. can't see five years in the future. So you tell them it's going to ruin their future. They can't see it. So they don't care. They right. want instant they relief right now. Yeah. And for lack of better relief, what else are they going to do? Mm -hmm. They're going to turn to their phones and they're going to scroll yeah. and they're going to get that instant dopamine spike. Yeah. Right. But if you remove those negative emotions, they can see far into the future. They can see their dream and their vision again. They can plan. They can goal set. They, that's mm -hmm. all associated with positive emotions. So they're going to get that dopamine spike that they've been wanting. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah. it's towards a bigger goal. And it's yeah. something that they chose. So they get to plan their own future out for themselves. Yeah. If we would just help them remove the negative emotions that will allow them to see that future. That's good. And I think it's so important that as as parents, we're always asking the question of who is speaking the truth into our kids' lives. I, I think sometimes right. we make the assumption that maybe their school or their teachers or whoever, but the reality is, is it's, it is our role as parents to one, embrace the truth for ourselves, but yep. two, then speak that truth over our kids' lives. I think that's important. Let's move into how health, and mental wellness are so completely connected with one another and, and what you're seeing in that arena for teens these days. Yes. Well, first of all, I think, I think mental health, you know, it went under the radar for so long as importance. Like we have all this budget and all this stuff for like athletics and physical health and everything else. And then we just put mental health on the back burner for so many years. And you know, the way that things work, like COVID, it made us realize that we can't sit alone with our thoughts anymore. There's a problem. You know, people weren't going to work. They weren't distracted. They're sitting at home. And we actually realized that mental health was an issue. Mm -hmm. And so we started to take it serious. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that we're now in a place where people are ready to have the conversation. The conversation's always the first step. But then we have to know what to do. It's like you can't just tell somebody, go to the gym and start lifting weights. You might hurt yourself. You might actually do more harm than good. So I think it's great that we're having the conversations, but the next thing is we got to tell people how to do it correctly so they don't hurt themselves, re-traumatize themselves, traumatize other people. You know, our brains are only so well at recalling things. We have a bunch of mm -hmm. pseudo memories and things filling in the gaps. And so that's why counseling is so important. And I mm -hmm. think a relationship with God is so important because the Holy Spirit is the great counselor. And if you just be quiet and be still and you allow God to show you what you need to heal from, he's going to show you straight up. He's going to say, remember this person, they hurt you and you haven't forgiven them. Remember this happened, you haven't healed from that yet. And a lot of the times this happens at night or in our prayer, right? But it's because we stop all the distractions. We're fasting from distractions. Our brain's actually able to have a moment with us. And we usually would just take like a melatonin gummy and go to sleep anyways and bypass all those traumatic experiences. And we think that our brain is against us when really it's trying to bring balance and homeostasis. It's trying to get you healed. God designed you that way. Good. So we have to be still and listen to ourselves and listen to some of those negative thoughts. Take your thoughts captive, renew your mind daily. When I think of that word captive, I think of capture like a picture and just a snapshot and really like even, even capture like 
um, interrogation type of capture. Like, why are you here? How did you get here? Why do I keep saying this about myself every single day? Yeah. I know a lot of people that work really, really hard. And then once they get to that moment or that place in life that they wanted to get, they don't believe that they deserve it and it disappears. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much a works thing. You know, it's so much, it's more of a belief thing. Do you mm -hmm. believe that you deserve mm -hmm. it? Do you, be do you yeah. believe that you deserve to be happy? You know, and if you don't believe it, then it's going to disappear. It, it right. takes me back right. to my favorite verse in the Bible, honestly, is when Jesus says um, to those who have more will be given and they'll have abundance to so those who don't have even what they have will be taken away. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells us that we have to believe as if we've already received it. So if you can hold it in your head and you believe it, then you can have it in your hands because to those who have more will be given. But right. even if you work for it and you get it and you don't have it in your head, you don't believe you deserve it, it will disappear. And even what you have will be taken away. That, that was a lesson that took me years to figure out why am I working so hard? And every time I get so close, it disappears because the back of my mind still didn't believe that I deserved it because mm. I had unforgiveness within myself. Mm. Guilt, shame and condemnation was keeping a barrier between me and God. You know, mm -hmm. that was a feeling like I didn't deserve to have a relationship with God feeling, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm sinful because of this, because of that or what I did and what I said that he's never going to be able to love me. And I was the one that was keeping that gap between us with those yeah. negative emotions, mm -hmm. keeping a barrier between us. We had to forgive ourselves if we want freedom. That's really good. What would you say as we wrap up, maybe the top three things that you would tell a parent are, are essential when when walking through their relationship with their teen and especially mm -hmm. in helping their teen navigate the world that they live in right now. Absolutely. I think um, we're going to relate to each other through our feelings, first of all. So your, your kids have to know how you feel. They don't have to know, you know, you don't have to go air out all your dirty laundry to your five-year-old. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying is most of the times when I go to schools and I speak to kids, they look at the adults in their life as their either a parent, a teacher, principal, like as their job description, not as a human being, okay? Mm. You know, mm. they see them out in public eating at a restaurant and they see their teacher, they're mind blown that that teacher even eats at a restaurant. You know, they're, they're mind blown seeing adults do regular human things because they only see them in a certain capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And that also goes with parents. If your kids only see you as this, as this authority parent figure, it's like seeing God as that iron fish, but mm -hmm. not also as Jesus who loves you and is full of forgiveness. And, and they need to know both sides of you. They need to know all aspects. They need to know that you suffered too. They need to know that you felt alone and disconnected, even though you didn't have cell phones and social media when you were a kid. Mm -hmm. You know, kids tell me all the time, my parents didn't have the pressures that I had when I was a kid. So they, they don't understand my pressures. And right. so they feel like there's a disconnect because we weren't in the exact same situation. But again, mm. I'll never be you and you'll never be me. And I start my speeches by telling kids that I'm like, look, I don't know what you're going home to or what you're going through. I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what it feels like to be you. But if you tell me how it feels and I tell you how it feels, we can connect to the emotions. That's mm. how we as human beings relate. And that's why we love music so much. You don't know mm -hmm. that artist that's singing your song. You don't know what they've been through, but you feel the emotion in the music and you're like, that is me. I can relate mm -hmm. to that person. That's good. And it's that's the good. same thing when we really be still and we listen to 
God. We listen to, you know, the word that's written on the tablet of our heart. We listen to our heart. Like it's, it's in there. It's in you. He created you this way, but we just have to silence the distractions because if anything, we live in a world of distraction. If anything, we're losing our identity through the devices that we're using and distracting. We don't know who we are anymore. And if there's one agenda of the enemy, it's definitely going to be for you to forget who you are and whose you are. Okay. That happened to the Israelites in the desert, and now they're worshiping everything. We're in that same desert right now, yeah. Yeah. you know. And the deliverance at the end of it all was the snake on the staff. When you face your fears and you face those feelings within the darkness within you, and you look into that darkness long enough, eventually you'll see the light. That was Jesus on the cross when he said he was going to be lifted up like the snake in the desert. He became fear on that cross. Everything that we feared, death, and he defeated that. So there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, 360 something times in the Bible tells you, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you'll be delivered from fear itself. So mm-hmm. get rid of the fear, which is the uncertainty of life. That's the sea of uncertainty that Peter sank back into. Get rid of the fear and uncertainty by knowing that, okay, the overall situation's not in my control, but I can't control my reaction to it. Other people's actions aren't in my control, but I can control my reaction to their actions. Okay. And if there's one thing that I know as a Christian, that even my life, is in his hands. So if I really step back and I surrender, complete forgiveness, detach from all the uncertainty, there goes fear out the window. That's I don't good. have any fear anymore and I'm standing firm on something that's true, that's solid, the truth. And that's where my identity is supposed to be. And if I stay in that, I stay in the truth. The truth is in me. Real recognizes real. You're going to attract the right people into your life. You're going to be like a light at the end of the tunnel for everybody else. And personally, I believe that the deepest, darkest moment of everyone's life has the potential to one day become that light at the end of the tunnel for somebody that's else. Good. Absolutely. If they tell the truth. That's it. Yeah. If you tell the truth. Oh, yes, that's good. That is really good. And making space for your kids to be in relationship to tell the truth. with you. So you tell, tell the, the truth. truth. Yeah. They will yeah. do the same if you do it. Real will yeah. recognize that. I, I love that. Jared, thank you so much for joining us today. You have an important message to share. Guys, we're going to attach everything he does in our show notes. I know you're very active on social media. And this would be a great resource for you and your family. You can reach out to him, follow him on social media. And if you're having an event, think about having him in to speak because his message is transformational and needs to be heard by our kids and our families. Hey, friends, thanks for joining our podcast today. If you enjoyed this, share it out with your friends. Give us a five-star review because this is the information that people need in their hands because it will change their life. Blessings on your day.